Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Here to bring us our salvation, life for the rich and the poor. Son of David, righteous and just, he's come to rescue us. He is the way. I'd rather be than here with you this morning. These tailors will if you're visiting with us this morning. Uh, when you leave today, when you go out into the vestibule or out into the main lobby where the big staircase is, there's a welcome table there and you can grab a bag. It's just got some info about our church and our staff and the ways that we can be able to reach out to you and, and serve you better. So pick up one of those as you leave. Let me call your attention to just a few things uh, that's coming up in the very near future. Uh, Bella Pritchard, she's one of our seniors here at East Taylorsville, and she is... Uh, doing uh, her senior project, and she's going to be doing a baby shower for Caring Hearts Pregnancy Center. That's going to be here at the church in the sunroom on Saturday, February 15th, and uh, details on what to bring and times and all that is found in your bulletin, or you can contact Bella Pritchard to get more info on that. This afternoon, there are no evening activities. There's 60 of us that are going to be traveling uh, up to Jonas Ridge today to uh, do some snow tubing with our pre-K through fifth grade, so 
Uh, meet us at Jonas Ridge at 2.30 if you've already registered and bring snacks and a change of clothes with you uh, when you come. Also, if you could turn in your uh, summer camp deposits for Caswell if you're 6th through 12th grade, there's about 55 of you that need to turn in deposits. Um, also, this Friday, uh, our 6th through 12th grade is going to be leaving to go to Look Up Lodge uh, at 4 p.m. And so just pray for us as we leave off for our winter retreat and uh, just pray for a good trip and uh, just a, a good time with our students and, and learning more about Christ. And, and uh, we'll just come back more like him when we get back. And uh, let me read you something this morning if I could. Um, Romans chapter 12 says, Love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, and honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Verse 12 Be joyful in hope, patient in trial, and faithful in prayer. And um, I just want to say thank you, church, for reaching out to your staff and leadership this week and uh, just being there for us and uh, just want to say thank you from myself and from Kevin and from the other leadership here as well um, but uh, let's do that this week let's be joyful in hope patient in trial and faithful in prayer this week you will stand up with us and uh, turn to your neighbor tell him hello greet him
remain standing for prayer. Have quite a few prayer requests that we need to mention. Um, we need to continue to pray for our pastor, as you know. And uh, one of the things I, I went around to everyone on Wednesday night, I had, had a chance to speak with Jamie, and the one thing he just wanted the church to know is he loves you. And I think everyone understands that and knows that. But we need to continue to pray for him and his family. Please continue to pray for our deacons. Someone asked if we know anything else, if there are any changes, and we don't. We really don't. We're just asking the church to be patient. Our deacons are continuing to meet on a regular basis. So uh, just continue to lift all that in, up in prayer. But uh, as a part of this week, it's been a challenge. Is there's been a lot of need within our church. And I'm going to ask if you would to remember the families of Dale Stockleather. This is Timmy's dad who passed away yesterday. Remember the family of Reva Arnett. This is Lisa Powell's mother who passed away yesterday. And then we heard this morning from T.T. Barnes that her mother passed away unexpectedly this morning. And uh, she asked, T.T. asked specifically that if we could pray for her sister, T.T.'s sister, her name is Jennifer. She has special needs, and she, was, she stays with her, and she's the one who found her this morning. So she's having an extremely hard time. So, uh, so many needs there. And then I had a text from Tim Dyson that said that they were at the hospital with his mother. I believe that she may have had a heart attack. So... Um, and I know there's others in the congregation. There's needs that have come up this week, very real needs. And uh, I'm going to be honest this week. You know what my prayer has been so often? Lord, just help. Help. We don't have answers. We don't know how we'll get through or what we need to do. But I do know God answers that prayer when we cry out for help. So I would encourage you to do that. And I'm going to ask Rhett Miller, if he will, to make his way. I've asked Rhett just to lead our prayer time. And as he makes his way here, I'm going to ask you if you want to join us here around the altar as our praise team uh, leads us. You make your way down here at the altar as we pray together. Father God, we come before you today just as humble as we know how. You taught us to pray and how to pray. Remind us of the power in prayer today, Lord. Guide this church like we all trust you can. In Proverbs, you taught us Jesus sticks closer than a brother, and we need help remembering that today, Lord. We pray for our pastor, his family, and our church family. Show this congregation that we, what we need is you while we are going through this storm. Give us the way in this time of need, for we know your guidance and help is everything we need. Help us to hold on to your will for us, for, you know, for we know you're our refuge. Encourage and guide our leadership during this time. Help us to not lose hope in you, for we know you will not abandon us no matter what we're going through. Let us to not look for answers in worldly ways, but for answers in you and you alone. At this time, I'd also like to pray for the Stockleather family, the Powell family, and the Barnes family, for they've lost loved ones. And this morning, I'd also like to pray for the Dyson family, and you know the need there. I pray they will look to you for their hope and strength in this time. And lastly, Lord, thank you for bringing us all together today in your house and for the healing you're bringing already and for the healing in the days and weeks to come. We love you, Lord, and it's your name we pray. Amen.
Thank you, choir. Ashley, I think I've got this on. Good. As the choir goes down, just a reminder that tonight uh, we will not have any evening activities, and that was already on the calendar. We have a large group going tubing tonight, which would take, we weren't going to be having Awana, and many parents and students are a part of that, so we had planned not to have evening activities tonight, so just make a note of that. And then Justin mentioned the uh, baby shower for Bella's uh, project. Um, I think he said the 15th, I believe he meant to say Saturday the 10th, which is this coming Saturday, so you can see that information in the bulletin. Um, you'll take a minute to look. Question as I begin, yes or no, do any of you forget things? <laughs> okay, duh. There was a survey done by 3M who makes post-its. This was back in 2013, and they said that the average person forgets four facts or items or events every day, according to the study. According to that study, they said, our days are so jam-packed full of tasks, whether at work or at home, it's no surprise people find it hard to keep track of everything. With much longer work hours, financial concerns, and just busier lifestyles, even those with the best memory can stumble when it comes to remembering even the most simple of things during a hectic day. Can anybody relate to that? In a more recent survey that I found, uh, they had interviewed a lot of people, and in that survey they found that there are 332 forgetful, forgetful moments each year. I think that's a low number. I know it is for me. But out of those, there was a top 10 list, and I'm not going to go through all those, but just you can raise your hand if, if you forget any of, the, any of these things. These were some of the top ones. Our passwords. Anybody forget passwords? Okay. Things that you intended to buy at the grocery store, you go and forget why you went in there to get it. I will go in with a list with that item on it, and it started with that one item, and I go in, and that's the item I forget. Um, how about where your keys are? <laughs> okay. You ever walk into a room and forget why you walked in the room? Okay. This is common. People's names after they've been introduced to you. I am the world's worst. Please show me grace <laughs> when we're passing in the hallway. I know you, but I forget names. I'm terrible. Um, forgetting what day it is. I haven't got there yet, so I'll pray for you if you raise hands, yeah. But there are days like that, you're like, man, it just does not feel like Sunday. Um, how about forgetting to take something out of the freezer to defrost it? Yeah, all the fast food places really appreciate that here in Taylorsville. And then the last one was uh, forgetting where you put your phone. Did anybody have to call your phone to find it this morning? <laughs> right there, she did. Forgetting these things, I mean, it's funny to think about this, but we all can relate to that. Um, while these things are trivial and really they don't impact our lives in a great way, they don't impact our soul, uh, the reality is that when we begin to forget God, who He is and what He has done for us, it will literally impact every area of our lives. It will affect us as individuals. When a church begins to forget, it will radically affect a church it will affect communities, and it can affect a nation. In Judges chapter 2, we're not looking at this, but just as a, an example, this was the pattern of God's people. They never did learn. In Judges 2, it says, After that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for the Israel. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight and served the images of Baal. They abandoned the Lord, the God of their ancestors who had brought them out of Egypt. For the nation, every time they would forget God, they would go into a time of sinful behavior and then judgment would come. And it's all because they would forget the Lord. If you've got your Bibles, I'd like for you to turn to Psalm 103. We're going to be looking at a very familiar psalm that's probably been taught here multiple times. And we're not going to read the whole psalm, but we're going to look at and focus on verses 1 through 5. And some of those aspects of these verses we're going to focus on a little more than others. But as you're turning there, just a quote from Spurgeon concerning Psalm 103. He said, There is too much in this psalm for a thousand pens to write. 
it is one of the all-comprehending scriptures, which is a Bible in and of itself, and it might alone also suffice for the hymn book of the church. This Psalm 103 is a little unique in it. This is literally just a psalm of praise. If you read the psalms, you'll, you'll see and read a lot of times the ups and downs and the challenges and how the enemy's coming, and it's, it's very up and down. If you struggle, the psalms are so soothing to read because you realize you're not alone. But this one is all praise. It is all about the Lord and praising Him. I like to see this as kind of a gospel psalm because we're going to look at today really a picture of the gospel that we see in the Old Testament. And most scholars believe that this is not associated with any one event in David's life, but this is probably later in his life after he had experienced, as we read in Scripture, all of his uh, struggles and difficulties. And he's looking back and he's writing just this psalm of praise. So if you would stand for the reading of God's Word as we read Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5 together. Beginning in verse 1, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, your word that never changes. And as we look at this psalm this morning, I pray that you would show us even in our own lives where we've neglected to remember these truths, Lord, we have not valued and treasured them as we should. And Lord, if there's anyone here today that has never experienced your forgiveness, your spiritual healing, experienced your amazing love, Lord, may today be that day of salvation where they simply come and trust and realize they need you and realize that you are ready to save and rescue. So, Lord, I pray that you would speak through your text today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. As we go through this psalm, we're going to look at two main things. We're going to look at, first of all, the call to worship and then the call to remember. The call to worship and the call to remember. First one is this, the call to worship. Let's look at verse 1. He says simply, bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord. Now, if any of you ever, if you think this on earthly terms, so many times we think about blessing someone. So if I went over to Justin and he had a need and I blessed him and say, I'm going to give you $100, Justin, because I know that you have a need. I would bless him with that gift because he had need. But there's nothing that we bring to the God where, that he needs anything. Our God is sufficient in and of himself. God has no need. He has no need for our praise. But this is literally, when we say bless the Lord, this is in the Hebrew literally to kneel. It is to praise the Lord, to delight God's heart by expressing love and gratitude for all he is and all he does. It is simply that we give him praise. We give him praise not because he needs it, but simply because he is worthy. He deserves our praise. So David begins and just simply says, bless the Lord. Let's pray. I'm going to praise the Lord. And then he says, bless the Lord, O my soul. He's talking to someone, somebody's soul. Who's David talking to here? Himself. Self-talk. Any of you ever get to a task and you're like, you can do this. <laughs> Suck it up. We're going to get through this. You can make, you're going to do it. Let's do this. Um, and what David is doing is literally in this psalm, he's talking to his own soul. He's challenging himself. Oh, my soul, let's bless the Lord. It is self-talk. Worshiping does not happen by accident. You will not stumble in here on a Sunday morning and by accident worship the Lord. True worship, when, we come, when it comes from our heart and our soul, is not by accident. It is a decision every time we gather. It is a decision, sometimes as you go down the road, you have an opportunity to praise, and it is a decision you have to make from your heart. And there are literally sometimes that we have to tell ourselves, remind ourselves, I need to praise the Lord, because I don't feel like it right now. I really don't even know what to say, 
But God, I'm going to praise you. It is a cry of our soul. It is reminding ourselves we must do this. I love the song by Brandon Lake. Our praise band sang this a couple weeks ago um, called Gratitude. And in the bridge of this song, he says, So come on, my soul. Oh, don't you get shy on me. Lift up your song because you've got a lion inside of those lungs. Get up and praise the Lord. There are days some of us Literally, like this song says, we need to shout at our heart and say, we need to get up and praise God. We don't feel like it. I don't like where I'm at, but God is still good and God is still worthy of our praise no matter where we find ourselves. So David says, bless the Lord, praise him. And then he says to himself, oh, my soul. And then he says, all that is within me. For David, his worship was an all-in commitment. It was an undivided heart when he came before God. It was a choice of the intellect, his emotion, and his will. That he's saying, I am choosing to praise the Lord. I wonder what would happen every Sunday, and this is not, this is not a judgmental call, but what would be different in our time together on a Sunday morning if we came in with everything in us ready to praise. An undivided heart saying, I'm here today not because it's for me, not because I'm going to check my box that I got church in this week, not because Sunday school's having breakfast today. My sole reason for being at church is because I have a God who's worthy to be praised. And if we prepare our, our hearts and we come in like David and says, all that is within me, with my mind, with my heart, with my emotions and the will, and even with my body, everything in me, I'm going to praise the Lord. Some of you I know because I've been there and I've done it and there's still Sundays I do it, where there is in my heart a desire, I just want to raise my hands. And some of you are still scared to do that and that's okay. But some of us, if we will worship the Lord with all of our heart, as He moves us, we are unashamed because He's worthy. We praise Him with all of our heart, all that is within us, as David said. We cannot have a divided heart. And I'll tell you, I'll be honest, sometimes my Sunday mornings, if y'all see me, I, I usually get in about two or three miles on Sunday morning. <laughs> There's just a lot of little things that I do in my, my responsibilities here. And when I sit down, there's sometimes where... I'm still checking things. I, I'm, I, I hate to text Ashley. Sometimes we're texting back and forth just to make sure everything is good, that there's no distractions as we gather here to worship. But the problem is sometimes I'm distracted. Any of you ever get distracted in worship? You're thinking about, oh, I, I got this in the crock pot. <laughs> or what are we going to do after the service? Where are we going to go? What, I don't know what you came from this morning, what happened in your family as you walked in here this morning. But you can come in here with a divided heart that is not all that is within you. And you can have your mind at a bunch of different places. But the danger of that is, and because we can all have those Sundays, let's be honest, we all have good Sundays and bad Sundays where we're focused and it's all of us and sometimes there's Sundays where we are so distracted. But the danger of us in a habit where we are regularly gathering to worship and we are always, we've, our mind is on something else, it's on criticizing this or criticizing that, we didn't like the song the choir sang. Our mind is not focused on him. And if that is the pattern of your regular time and coming together as the body of Christ, there is a danger. Isaiah 29, verse 13 says this. This is the New Living Translation. Because I think this is a picture of those who have divided hearts. And this has become the norm for these people during this time. It says, the Lord says, these people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules that they have been taught. In other words, if we are not careful, if we don't come in on a regular basis of saying, God, I'm just here to worship you, and we're distracted on a regular basis, and you get home and you're like, I got nothing out of the service today. Sometimes that's us. Most of the time it's us. We can become mechanical and just have... A repetition, we can go through the motions and our worship will just be empty. David is saying, as he begins this psalm, I'm going to bless the Lord. with, And he says, oh my soul, from the very depths of me, all that is within me, I am going to praise the Lord. His holy name, because he is worthy. So we have, first of all, the call to worship. Is that how you come to worship? Is that how I come to worship? 
Am I ready to praise him as we gather each and every Sunday? I challenge you, when you're here, when you come on this campus, on your way to this campus, just say, God, I'm going because you are worthy. Were it not for you, I wouldn't even have life. Were it not for your son, I would not have eternal life and the forgiveness of my sins. He is worthy of all that we have. So we have a call to worship. And the second thing is this, is that we have a call to remember. A call to remember specifically the benefits of all that the Lord has done for us. That word remember has a couple meanings. I mean, when we think about remember, like it's just something I've forgotten. But what he's acknowledging is we can forget. That's a scary thing for us in our walk with God. We can forget those things that God has done for us. But it can also mean that it's not necessarily forgetting in our mind, but it is a choice or it is ignoring or ceasing to care about those things also. That's what remember means. We can forget and we can neglect his word, his will, and his people. And we can also ignore it and when we become so familiar with it that it doesn't affect us anymore. We kind of get used to it. We kind of become numb. It's like we sing the song. I've sung this song since I was a kid, and we can sing it, and it has no meaning anymore. And that's a scary place to be. But we are called to remember, and the reality is we can forget. So what are those things that we need to remember? First was, is this, and it's very clear as he lays this out. Remember that he forgives all your iniquities. Could David testify to that? You have a liar. You have an adulterer, a murderer throughout his life and now as he is older and he looks back he has experienced a God who forgives all iniquities a couple verses later says he has not dealt with us according to our sins nor punished us according to our iniquities for as the heavens are high above the earth so great is his mercy toward those who fear him as far as the east is from the west so far he has removed our transgressions from us. His forgiveness is complete for the believer. He forgives how much of your iniquity and your sin? All. All in the Hebrew means all. All of it. You, we have been forgiven of all of our sin. Complete, past, present, future has been covered by the blood of Christ. But let me just say this, for some of us in this room, in my experience over the years of ministry, for some of us, one of the biggest struggles in your walk with Christ is that we can remember our past sins better than we can remember that he forgives all of our sins. Let me say that again. For some, our struggle is that we remember our past sins better than we remember that he has forgiven us of all sins. In other words, we continue to remember what God has chosen to forget. And we can become so tangled up by guilt and shame from past decisions and choices that it radically affects our walk with Him. But I want you all here, let, let this truth end today. If there's been a point in your life where you have come to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if your trust is in Him, His death, His burial, His resurrection... If that's where your faith is, you are forgiven. He has forgiven you. You say, well, you don't know what I did back in those days. You don't know what I did last week. Listen, God forgives all of our iniquities, past, present. I'm saved today, not because I've done, kept it all together. I'm saved today by the grace of Jesus Christ. I was saved as a seven-year-old boy by the grace of Jesus Christ. Tomorrow, if I struggle, you know why I'm saved tomorrow? It's not because I've kept it all together. It's because Jesus' blood has saved me. He has saved me. My sins have been forgiven. That is our only hope. We must learn to walk in that freedom, church, that we are forgiven, though we still struggle. It doesn't mean that we won't still struggle in sin. He has forgiven us of all our sin, but that doesn't mean that we won't still need to confess we need 1 John 1 9 that is for believers if we confess our sins he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness that's not about relationship as far as salvation that is about fellowship with the Lord if my kids do something against me if they rebel against me is our fellowship wonderful no it's like it's, it's strained 
It's not like I want it to be. Our fellowship's messed up, but are they still my kids? You better believe it. And I still love them the same as I did before they did what they did. So it doesn't mean that you won't sin, and it doesn't, need that we don't, doesn't mean we don't need to confess. It doesn't mean that there aren't consequences in this life for our sins, some worse than others. But it does mean that you still belong to Him no matter what you've done. Scripture makes it clear that nothing can separate you from the love of God in Jesus Christ. Again, but you say, but you don't know what I've done. I want you to watch this clip. I've, always, I've used this multiple times. It's a clip by Matt Chandler that addresses this. For those of you that are struggling with your walk, struggling with decisions you've made that maybe you've confessed, but you've not forgiven yourself, I want you just to let these truths in as we think about how God forgives all of our iniquities. Our default position as strugglers is to believe that God's disappointed and frustrated. That he simply is tolerating us. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians 1 says, no, 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 no. Before the foundation of the earth was laid, he was going to adopt you, make you holy and blameless in his sight. So whether difficult days or good days, God's at work. God has not abandoned you in this difficult season. How amazing does that make our God that in our hypocrisy, he's long-suffering with us. In our inability to live out all that he would call us to, he continues to lavish upon us his grace. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. So I love this word lavish, extravagant, plentiful, over the top. And so now when the Bible's talking about forgiveness, it's saying that his grace in forgiveness is lavish, like it's too much, like it's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous amount, right? It's, it's, it's weight, it's over the top. It's out of control. Man of woman of God, in Christ but struggling, God does not regret saving you. He doesn't regret it. You haven't surprised him. You cannot surprise him. God is not watching where you are now, watching how you've struggled this week, watching how you stumble and fall, and regretting the decision to pay the price for you and for You have no sin past present and future that has more power than the cross of Jesus Christ. None. This means that your salvation wasn't just a past event alone, but that Christ even now is continuing to save you. He didn't forgive your past sins and now leaving it up to you to conquer present and future sins, which means it doesn't matter how you came in here. It means God can rescue. It means God can save. And it means for those of us who are in Christ, you do not disgust him. You do not discuss it. You don't know what I struggle with and how deplorable it is. Um, I know that it, Jesus would say that he paid the bill in full, and so what you're saying is nonsense. That is the grace with which he lavished on us in his forgiveness. I think that's a powerful reminder. All of us. Because listen, some of us, our struggle's not, if you want to say, on a scale, kind of a grosser sin than others. Listen, our pride before a holy God is just as dirty and sinful as adultery or whatever. Our God is holy. But here's the good news. We serve a God who forgives. If you've come to Christ, our only hope in Him, He is our only hope, we find forgiveness. So David here reminds us, and we all need to remind it every single day of his benefits. The first one is that he forgives all of our iniquities. The second one is this, he heals all your diseases. He heals all your diseases. Now let me just jump in here because some people have taken this verse literally to say, if you have enough faith, God's going to make sure you're healed, that you won't have sickness, that you won't have disease. That is not what this verse is saying. We know that from experience. Often, sometimes, God does heal. 
But often God does not heal because even in our suffering, He has purposes. But while it is correct, it is correct to say ultimately one day all of our diseases will be healed in eternity. You can read about that in Revelation. There won't be sickness anymore. We know that that promise is there. But here specifically it's dealing more, as he's talking to his soul even, that this is more in a spiritual sense. Our spiritual diseases. And he is likely addressing those, not our physical diseases. In scripture, disease and sickness can often be a metaphor for sinfulness. Sin is a disease that infects us, all of us, ever since the garden in the fall. There is a sinful disease in our soul that shows itself in many ways, like fear, doubt, depression, anger, lust, hate, jealousy, pride, greed, rebellion. The list can go on and on. That is a disease, a sin-sick disease in all of us that we struggle with, that there is no medicine to heal. There is nothing that can take away that sinful disease that's in us. There is only one who can, and his name is Jesus. He is the only one who can heal a sinful heart. In Isaiah, you see this um, in verses 4 through 6. It says, All sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, children who deal corruptly, they have forsaken the Lord. Dealing with, this is all the sin. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They are utterly estranged. Why will you still be struck down? Why will you continue to rebel? The whole head is sick is the way God describes it. And it talks about how from the sole of their foot, even to the head, there's no soundness in it, but bruises and sores and raw wounds, a, a picture of leprosy. And that's how he's describing the nation. They're sinful. So here when it says that he heals all of our diseases, it is more referring to our spiritual need and the disease of really sin within us that needs to be healed. And only he can heal. And he can heal completely concerning our sin. And he is the only one who can. Isaiah 53, 5 puts it this way. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement. For our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. And then he says in Psalm 147, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. In Christ we can find healing from that sin-sick nature that was in us. He is the only answer that can, the only cure for that. So he heals all diseases, number three, and we'll rush through these last three. He redeems from the destruction. Other translations say you were redeemed from the pit or from death, and even some say redeemed from hell. First of all, redeemed. What does it mean to be redeemed? It means that you've been bought with a price. Bought with a price. Now, I've got a candy bar here. Um, I stole this from the choir. I owe y'all one. They get birthday candy every Wednesday night if it's your birthday. So um, I've got a Reese cup. Um, now, I'm just curious, how many of you would like this Reese cup? Merit, you can't have this Reese cup. I know what Reese cups do to you. I'm just kidding. I love Merit. Okay, let me ask you this. If, if a lot of you would like it, how much, are you, how much can I get for this? You, you can buy it right now. Anybody want to buy this? Archer, how much are you willing to pay? $3, okay. <laughs> ben, I don't know if Ben's back there somewhere. You got $3, Ben? Okay. So I've got $3. Anybody want, anybody want it more than that? How much? Okay. <laughs> Merritt's now bidding. That's Archer's sister. How much you want to pay for this? Okay, I got five bucks on this fresh. There's four of them in here, Reese cup. Okay, so we're up to four dollars. Anybody want it more than four dollars? Besides Archer. Okay, anybody? Now let me ask you this, or let me tell you this. What if I told you right now? Okay, whatever we, whatever you buy this for, whoever decides what you want to spend for this, I'm going to give that money to Bella to purchase things for Caring Hearts. Uh, thing that this coming Saturday, okay? So we got it five dollars. Anybody willing to pay more for that? For this Reese cup? I'm being serious. We're talking money here. How much? Twenty. Is that Bobby? Oh, I can't see who that is. Colby. Oh, Colby. You got twenty dollars. Okay, Colby over there. He likes Reese's. Twenty dollars. Okay. Does anybody want to spend more than twenty dollars for this Reese cup? It can be yours. It's going for a good cause. Okay, there's 25 back there. Is that Timmy? All right, 25. Okay. Okay, anybody else? 
Connor's saying 40. Okay, we're up to 40. This is awesome. Bella's going to be able to buy a lot of stuff for carrying hearts. Okay, it's up to 40. Anybody else? 50? Okay, who's back there now? Timmy, Timmy wants this Reese really bad. Okay, it's up to 50. Okay, I'm just going to stop it right now, okay? Because we're going to run out of time. Okay? Going once, going twice. Timmy, you got a $50 Reese cup. Give him a hand. This Reese cup was just redeemed by Timmy. It was bought at a price. Now, let me ask you this. How much is this Reese worth? How much? $2? No, it's not. It's worth $50. The value of an item is determined by what you're willing to pay for it. There are some items that you go to auction that probably cost 50 cents back in the 50s, and now they can be worth thousands of dollars. The value of an item is determined by what you're willing to pay for it. Scripture says you've been redeemed from destruction. First Peter, though, this is you. You want to know how much you're worth? You want to know how much was paid for you? First Peter 1, 18 and 19 says, Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold, for your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb, without blemish, without spot. You were bought. You've been purchased by the blood of Christ. He gave his life for you. That's how much you're worth. Don't let, don't let that truth out of your mind. You've been purchased with a price. Psalmist David says, you've been redeemed from destruction, even from death. You've been rescued and you were bought at a price. And it was a priceless gift. Because we've been redeemed, we no longer have to fear death. Death no longer has a sting for us. And I'm going to rush through these last two. two. The fourth one is this. He crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercy. He adorns us and covers us with his loving kindness and compassion. Not only his steadfast love that we all experience, but it says his tender mercies. God not only loves us, it's like sometimes we think that's almost God's duty because that's just who he is. But this tender mercies means that he feels that love for us. He loves you that much. It's a tender mercy. Verses 13 and 14, it says, The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. For he knows how weak we are. He remembers we are only dust. Our God loves us, but it's just not just the duty of God. He feels that for you. You are loved by a heavenly father. There's a reason we say our father who art in heaven. That is such an intimate term. You are loved and he crowns you with love, loving kindness and tender mercy. And then last, he satisfies, it says, your mouth with good things. To understand that, the NIV says, he satisfies your desires. The New Living says, he fills my life with good things. Another translation, who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like an eagle, like the eagle. Warren Wearsby said, no matter how old we become, God can satisfy the needs of our lives and the spiritual desires of our heart. And only God can satisfy those needs. And he says he satisfies us with good things. In fact, those good things, the longer you walk with him, the older you get, the sweeter those things are. Jesus saved me. The Lord saved me as a seven-year-old boy. And I've shared that multiple times. But my, my appreciation and love for his salvation is deeper now than when I was a seven-year-old boy. And I'm telling you, he satisfies us with good things. And as you get older, you understand how good those things are. This world cannot give you what he provides. And nothing else in this world can meet those needs. Only, they are only found in him. Forget not all his benefits in your life. So as we close, I want to challenge us. For those of us who are believers... Do not forget, remind yourself regularly what God has done in your life. I've heard it said and have said this myself, we need to preach the gospel to ourselves every single day. Be reminded of our desperate need as sinners, how deep our sin was, but how great his love is. 
that we don't forget all his benefits. I want to challenge you, don't neglect his word. So many times we forget because we just do not take this in. We do not feed ourselves on the truth of his word and who, how he's revealed himself. Don't neglect his word. Don't neglect the teaching of his word. Be a part of Sunday school. I saw some full classes. I heard, Steve, y'all had 100 in your Sunday school class today. Praise the Lord. And as Steve said last week, if there's ever been a time, if you've been like, man, I've been thinking about getting to Sunday school, get in now. This is a great time to join a class. But don't neglect the teaching of his word and that fellowship and Bible study. Don't neglect his people. Those times that we're together, encourage one another. I encourage y'all, don't rush when you leave here. We'll stay here as long as y'all want to. Y'all just, just visit with each other, talk to each other, love each other. Don't neglect his people and don't neglect our times together to praise the Lord corporately. And don't neglect those times to praise him privately. And then finally, my question to some of you is, have you experienced that forgiveness in your life? Have you experienced that tender love of a Savior? Realize that the deepest needs of your heart can only be met in him. If you do not know him as your Lord and Savior, today you can. And trust him by faith. I'm going to ask you to stand and our musicians to come as we close this service if you would pray with me and if you're here today and you know that that is not yours you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior you have not known the amazing gift of forgiveness by trusting in Jesus I encourage you right now to acknowledge that to the Lord just pray and say God I know I'm a sinner and I'm in desperate need of a Savior I have disobeyed you. I am guilty. But I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sin. And as best I know how, I put my faith in him. Because Jesus is my only hope. And I ask you to be my Savior. And if you're here today and that's the desire of your heart, know that when we call on him, whosoever should call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Know that there is salvation. And I encourage you to share that with somebody today before you leave. Father, we thank you for this time today. Thank you for your word, a reminder. Lord, help us to be a congregation who truly blesses you and worships you and praises you. A congregation who regularly is reminded of all that you have done for us and who you are. And Lord, may it affect every decision we make in our life. May we see it in light of your great character, your great love, and your great work in our life. And Lord, we just want to tell you we love you and thank you for giving us what we do not deserve. But Lord, that you have lavished on us. We praise you for that. In Jesus' name. As, our, as Andrea leads us in this song, we're going to sing this together. And uh, I'm going to close this in prayer. thank you all for being here and uh, I do want to say thank you as Justin said thank you for your ongoing prayers on so many areas um, we desperately need that as a congregation continue to pray for one another and we're going to just trust him for the days that are ahead and trust that God is at work in all this and God is going to do something through this that he couldn't do any other way and we're going to give him praise for it I believe it 